estate planning. For some, just the thought of it can cause anxiety. So we're joined today with Natalie Perry of Harrison LLP in Chicago to get over that hurdle and better understand how an estate plan helps put you in the driver's seat of your life. I'm Greg C., and this is the Intelligent Taxpayer Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining in. I've got Natalie Perry with me, and we're going through and diving into the topic of estate planning. What is it? Why is it important? Uh, Natalie, she is with Harrison LLP uh, up in Chicago and focuses on estate planning, tax planning, a number of things. But Natalie, let me just go ahead and let you introduce yourself here. Yeah, thank you, Greg. So I'm Natalie Perry. I'm an attorney and I'm also a CPA by background. So I did a lot of tax work before I started in the legal field. And I've been doing estate planning for over 25 years exclusively, which some lawyers tend to dabble in it, but our firm really focuses strictly on estate planning. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, 25 years with that, and you've probably seen a lot of changes of things that happened over time, and probably estate plans are not made the same. It's not cookie cutter. So with that experience, I'm sure you've, uh, you're really able to help some people out with that. So let's, let's just ask that question. You know, what's the overarching question here? What really is estate planning? I'll leave to why it's important, but let's just talk about what estate planning is. Yeah. So estate planning is having a written plan for your assets, both how they'll be distributed when you eventually die, as well as what happens to them if you're incapacitated. Because lots of people who are young may think, oh, I don't have to worry about that. But you're more likely at the younger ages to become incapacitated than to actually die. So hmm. really, estate planning addresses both those situations. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're very comfortable on focusing on what's going on with me right now, but not necessarily not what's going to happen in the future. Right. And so it's good to have that forward thinking uh, going on with it and not just focus on what's going on now. So let's dive in then on like the importance behind it. So we understand kind of what estate planning is, but what makes it so important for us to go ahead and incorporate into our lives amongst all the other things that we have going on? Well, it's important to do because you you most people, you know, you work hard for your assets, you build up some net worth and people might think, "Oh, I only have, you know, a million dollars." Well, that that's a significant amount of money. You know, even if that's all you have, when you pass away, it's going to be important to get that money where you want it to go and how you want it to go. So, we can be as simple as we want to be with an estate plan. You know, we can have a will for somebody that just says, give everything to my kids or maybe spouse, then kids. Or we can get really creative for more sophisticated clients, you know, who want to kind of dig into it. We can leave money in trust for kids. If they're minors, we probably want to delay their access to it a little bit. So there's there's lots of nuances to the plan from who's in charge, who makes these decisions, to kind of who gets what who gets it when there's really a lot to think about. Yeah. And really, I mean, with that in mind too, it's like, it doesn't really, there's not really a threshold you got to achieve before, Hey, I need to develop an estate plan or think about that. I mean, it can start very simple and evolve over time. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure you've seen probably the running the gamut of it, of some basic things to very complex stuff that can happen. Cause 
as we continue to get older over time, uh, we build our businesses out, we obtain assets. Like it's, it can start simple, but then get complex down the road, but it's probably best to start on that front end. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you're, that's a great point. It can be really simple and you might just need powers of attorney while you're young, like say college students, even if parents are concerned about something happening to their kids at college, once they're 18, it can be hard to get medical information about them under HIPAA. So even having a power of attorney that allows someone to make medical decisions and get information for them can be really valuable. And that, that might be $100 to put together, or you can download it even. You know, most of the time, it's better to have a lawyer, but sometimes, you know, it's better than nothing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned there, like, yeah, it can be very simple as just a single piece. I mean, as far as simplicity, like say someone is 18 and they are on the ball with it and like, hey, I want to do an estate plan. What what would that look like for them? What What do you think would be involved? Well, for sure, the powers of attorney, because those are probably more important for a young person, you know, if they were to get in an accident or have a surgery or something where they just might be able, might be unable to pay their bills or, you know, deal with whatever it is that's coming at them in life, selling a house, buying a house. So powers of attorney. And then we might do a simple will, you know, and that might leave everything to their parents while they're young. And then when they're older or married or have their own kids, we might update that will and change it. And then as people age, sometimes they end up having a trust, and that can be just a way to avoid probate mm. and kind of simplify the administration. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when, you know, we talked about being young and things can be simple, but things can be complex when you're young too. I mean, I've worked with clients that, you know, they become these social media influencers and maybe they're the ones providing support for their parents too. Uh, so it can be on both ends there, uh, regardless of what your age is. So as far as those things, like, you know, we've talked about, uh, it can be very simple. It can be very complex. I think some people just have these misconceptions of what estate planning really is. So can you identify some of those real common misconceptions that people just aren't aware of and are maybe misinformed about? Yeah, that's another good point to cover for people who don't have estate planning or are thinking about it. If a lot of people think, especially if they're married, everything will go to my spouse and that may be true if your assets are titled jointly because the title will often trump what an estate plan says. But if you have a wife and kids, say, your kids under most states' laws, and it may vary from state to state, but most of the time the assets will go half to the spouse and half to the kids. So I think people don't realize that, and that's a very common misconception. And then people also tend to think, they can just name a beneficiary on a number of their assets and kind of avoid estate planning that way. And that can also get really tricky. You look like maybe you've seen that, you know, where son is on the investment account and daughter is on the checking account, but then the amounts aren't equal or the market fluctuates and things can really go haywire. Right. Yeah. It's good to make sure we're, we're, make, we're doing things the right way, you know, versus just the way we think they are and stuff you find on the internet may not be the right information. Always good to, yeah, have an expert involved with it uh, on there too. So right. I've got another question then for you. So as far as uh, building these things out, I mean, is there some things that, you know, as people acquire uh, anything really, as far as bank accounts, vehicles, other assets, businesses, I mean, is there some things that should be, obviously should be included in that estate plan? Are there some things that you really, it's, you shouldn't, or maybe it's not that necessary for it? 
or is there yeah what's the balance there yeah i so a will or a trust is really going to govern everything you own except for assets that might be um have a beneficiary designation on them like life insurance or a retirement account so those assets are going to go to whoever you name so that's something to keep in mind you know a lot of times people name their spouse and kids if you had minor children that could be an issue or you want to take some extra steps there but um, your car, all that's going to be governed by your will, your house, your checking account, your investment account, unless you've got a name beneficiary like we kind of touched on before. So you really don't have to list your assets in your estate plan per se, but just know that your titling is almost as important as the plan itself because those two things have to really work together. Yeah. Yeah. So really after I mean, you go through this estate planning process with your attorney uh, and uh, all the other people with it to you. But I think there's kind of a next step that you still have to do as well. I mean, I went through this with my own family. Uh, you know, we went through the estate planning process. We got the binder from them of, hey, here's all of our intentions. But there's usually still some next steps that you got to do on your own. And what are some of those things that people still need to do after they've just, they've got their binder and their documents from their attorney? Yeah. So I think the asset titling is really the next step. And if you did a trust in your situation, so, then you've got to often title some of your assets in your trust name directly. And the purpose of doing that, although it sounds kind of cumbersome, is so that those assets can avoid probate when you later die, which can be a real cost savings and make things more efficient for your spouse and kids. So that's a really important step that often gets overlooked. It can be difficult between the lawyer and the client who's going to do it. Lawyers can't always give direction to a bank. You know, the the client has to really be the one giving the direction. So that's another step where you really need to consult with your attorney or your advisor if you've got a financial advisor. And accountants are often very helpful with that too. Mm. So it's definitely something to not overlook. Yeah. So speaking of people who are involved uh, with this, like, what are some people that you really should be including in your estate plan and even notifying them? I'm sure there's been estate plans built or people didn't know that they were involved in it uh, on there. You spoke about powers of attorneys. There's different kinds of them, right? Uh, so can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. So you're going to always have an executor of your will and then a trustee of a trust if you've done a trust. And then on the powers of attorney, we call that person an agent. So sometimes it's always the same person. You know, say your, your oldest child, for example, might be the person or your spouse, obviously, if you're married. But Sometimes it might be different for medical than financial, like somebody might be more empathetic, let's say, or, or knowledgeable in the medical field, and then someone else might be better for the money. And we really didn't talk about guardians of minor children, but if you're naming those, sometimes that person may be different than the person who is in charge of the money. Just might depend on how those roles interplay in the person's life. Yeah, yeah. So really, yeah, I'm sure... There could be times where one person handles everything, depending on what you know uh -huh. that person's network or whatnot, how their family's uh, situation is. Yeah. So then you could have lots of different people involved with it, depending on what, how complex your situation can be. Right, that's a good point. You might have multiple trusts. You might have kids with trusts. You know, all kinds of different situations can arise in the planning. Mm -hmm. Now, on on this as well. So you know, just the estate plan can be different depending on people's situations. But what about just, you know, across the country? Does it vary state by state on what some of these rules are of things we want to keep in mind? I'm sure there's always state differences. They have their own, 
levels or thresholds of things that when they want to get involved. Right. And there's a couple of considerations there. So one is taxes. Some states have an estate tax still, which might be different than the federal estate tax. So for clients who have a little more wealth, they might be mindful of what is my state law? You know, is there a separate tax? And then also the, um, the distribution standards in different states, if you don't have an estate plan, could be different. We kind of touched on that before. And then there's also the concept of community property, which can vary. So there's seven or eight states, I think, that have this community property regime where they treat assets as owned equally by husband and wife, regardless of how they're titled. So planning looks a little different in those states. That's why it's so important to really talk to an expert. So we've talked a lot about what's involved uh, in it and different types of instruments involved with it too, but is there any kind of protection of things that estate planning does for us aside from understanding what our intentions are, but does there protection that gets involved with it too? Yes, I would say for some clients, and it really isn't driven by wealth per se, but it may just be the client's mindset or their feeling about their children or perhaps their son or daughter-in-law if they have them. They may want to leave their money in trust for their children rather than outright. And the reason for that is there is some creditor protection when children inherit money in trust. And these are very general rules. It really varies by state. But if a child inherits money in trust and there's a trustee in charge for that child, that money will often be treated as separate property if a divorce were to occur. So even if it's, let's say, not that much money, whatever that means, because everyone's view is different, you know, that money can stay in trust for that child and he or she can still access it, spend it. But as long as the the principal, let's say, stays in trust, they would be able to get some creditor protection, which can be a real benefit. Yeah. Yeah. So over time then, is it is this, uh, I mean, I know the answer, but I, I want to hear it from you too. You know, it's not just a set it and forget it type of thing, right? So things evolve over time. So how often would you recommend someone that once they've gotten a state plan in place, when should they re-review it? I tell my clients every three to five years, or if something really significant if you, in your life changes, like a family member you know, comes in, in and out of your family, whether divorce or um, just people fall out in relationships sometimes, parents can age, you, know, you might name your parents as your executor while you're young. But, you know, in 10 years, your parents might not be capable or, you know, they might not be the right people anymore. If you move, they may not be around, right? If you move, that's often going to dictate that your plan be updated because your state law might be different. There might be different requirements. Um, yeah. So, and asset values, you know, if you really incur or um, inherit or earn a lot more wealth or accumulate, that's the word I was looking for, like accumulate more assets now you may need to look at tax planning or structuring things differently between spouses so that you're sure you don't, you, or at least you minimize what you can. Right. So, okay, my favorite topic with taxes here then. So when tax planning is coming involved, obviously there's stuff uh, specific for spousal rules. Um, and you get to the estate tax things. All there, you know, obviously there's thresholds with each types of things, but I mean, tell us a little bit more about the tax side to it. I know we've got we've talked about intentions and we've talked about protection. Let's also talk about the tax piece too, because there could be some financial benefits of doing these estate planning too. 
Right, definitely. So the okay. federal exemption from estate tax right now is almost $13 million. It's quite high. So, And that is per person. So a married couple can exclude almost $26 million from estate tax. So that's a pretty high number. A lot of people are below that threshold. In Illinois, where I live, each spouse has a $4 million exemption from Illinois estate tax. And different states have different rules on that. Like Florida doesn't have any estate tax. So that's something to think about when they're doing the planning is, you know, am I going to incur a state tax? And if they are or they're in that range, there's lots of planning that can be done, even annual gifting, paying for college directly. You know, that's a way to make a tax-free gift or putting money in trust for children so that the appreciation can grow outside of your estate. There's lots of ways to help shelter some assets from estate tax, but kind of the sooner you start thinking about it, the more time you'll have to let yourself um, get some of that money out of your estate. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. if if it the aside from it, from the protections and stuff, if there's financial things that can benefit you too, that gives you all that more reason to go ahead and like, let's go through this process. Right. Yeah. And if people don't know, the exemption is scheduled to go down at the beginning of 2026. So that's very TBD. We'll have to see what right. happens. Yeah. I mean, Nobody yeah, when Jeff came in place, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, I mean, that, that bumped it up a significant amount. Right. But here we are uh, in the getting towards the end of 2023. And Listen. 2026 will be here before we know it. And there's some definite planning opportunities that come in play to be aware of. So again, not just focusing on the here and now, but even in the short term, one to two years, there's going to be differences and things that we need to think about. And lawyers are going to be busy, I think, that last year. Oh, absolutely. Same thing with accountants and CPAs. Right. Good point. Uh, it's not, yeah, not just the estate stuff that's going to be changing. There's a, there's a lot of different stuff that's going to happen. That's Unless, right. again, Congress decides to go ahead and, and either extend it or change yeah. the rules altogether again. Right. Yeah. So, well, Natalie, how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to reach out and get connected? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn and um I, my firm's website is www.harrisonllp, and that's S-O-N, dot com. And if you want to email me, I'd be happy to answer a question or two for you. It's nperry at harrisonllp.com. Yeah, love to talk about this stuff, so. Right, yeah, we. I, I hear, I have some friends, they say, you always talk nerdy to me, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, talk nerdy to me, that's funny. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, Natalie, thanks so much for taking the time and just to kind of open this topic up, uh, maybe lower that barrier to hesitancy to it for some people, or maybe just more confirmation that some people have had that are like, hey, I've been on the fence and now I, I understand a little bit more and I'm not too scared to go ahead and go and, and do this. So I'm glad you can be a resource to that. We could be a resource to that here on the show. Um, so thank you so much for uh, for explaining all of this here and giving us some insight. Yes. Thank you for having me and for bringing this important topic to everyone's top of mind. Oh, awesome. 